Friday, hour number three. Let's take a listen to the uh, to the candidates' debate up in Pennsylvania for the U.S. Senate seat up there. Dr. Oz, Mehmet, Mehmet, how do you pronounce his name? Mehmet. Does it? I don't know. I I don't watch the guy. I've never watched the guy. I don't watch a show. I was not a fan of his as a uh, as a TV quack. I wasn't, you know, not a fan. And I'm not in Pennsylvania, so I don't even have to vote one way or another on this race. Um, but as I was watching this debate, <clears throat> I watched it this morning, and I actually watched a a feed of it on um, this guy named David Pacman, P A K M A N, and he's a lefty. And uh, he did a live stream of the debate, watching it last night. And so I wanted to get a sense of what liberals thought as they were watching this performance. Because the clips that I was seeing last night on social media that came out of this debate, when I would watch the individual clips, I thought, oh my gosh, this is bad. Oh my gosh, this is bad. But then I'm wondering, is this just a clip? Is this just a 10-second, 20-second soundbite that people are passing around of, um, of John Fetterman stumbling over his words, not being able to you know, formulate these ideas and make these arguments? Are we taking it out of context? Are we, are we focusing on the stumbles too much, right? This was what I started thinking because I'm seeing all of these clips as I got to watch the whole thing. And so I did. And I thought, well, what is the what, what are the the libs thinking about this performance? And so I watched it on a lib channel. And well, I went through and I put together the audio clips. It's the they're they're a, a bit longer. Okay, these are montages, and you're going to hear the edit points because I wanted to let you hear in their entirety all that he, like his ability because at some. There were some parts he was quite capable of answering the question somewhat cogently, right? Some of his answers were not terrible, but well, a lot of them were. So I put them all together, and so you can hear in the totality, you can get the full context. What qualifies you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. He's running to use Pennsylvania. Here's a man that spent more than $20 million of his own money to try to buy that seat. I'm also having to talk about something called the Oz rule, that if he's on TV, he's lying. He did that during his career on his TV show. He's done that during his campaign about lying about our record here. And he's also lying probably during this debate. And let's also talk about the elephant in the room. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate, mush two words together, but it knocked me down, but I'm gonna keep coming back up. And this campaign is all about, to me, is about fighting for everyone in Pennsylvania that ever got knocked down, that needs to get back up and fighting for all forgotten communities all across Pennsylvania that also got knocked down that needs to keep get back up. He said you have not paid your taxes and that you want to raise taxes on Americans. How do you respond? Uh, Absolutely. The Oz rule, of course, he's lying. It was helping two students 17 years ago to help them 
you know, buy their own homes. They they didn't pay the bills and it got her paid. And it's has never been an issue in in any of the campaign before. It was all about nonprofit. All right, thank you, Mr. Oh, Fetterman. Because where do you think did you hear that should be cut? You have- did you hear that? Oh boy, that's Pac-Man. So when you hear those little comments, that's him expressing uh, chagrin, shall we say. He, they, he is like, at the end of it all, he was like, this is not good. This was not good. I have 60 seconds. No, here's what I think we have to fight about inflation here right now. That's what we need to fight about inflation, you know, right now because it's a tax on working families, you know. And Dr. Oz can't possibly understand what that is like. You know, he has 10 gigantic mansions. You know, he we, we must push back against corporate greed. We must make sure that we're also pushing back against price gouging as well, too. You know, we also be able to make more in Pennsylvania and make more in America. When he had a choice to make his merchandise, the Oz label is on. He made it all in China. You know, who can you believe that can fight against inflation and pushing back against corporate greed or somebody that is chosen working in China versus over American workers? When John Fetterman brings up houses, the irony is he didn't pay for his own house. He got it for a dollar from his sister. And he hasn't been able to, to earn a living on his own. He's lived off his parents. So it, it, it doesn't, it's not a topic that we should be debating on the stage. We should be talking about crime and inflation, the issues that are hurting Pennsylvanians that they're talking about at their kitchen table. No, it, it, that, that's it. He, he got his Pennsylvania right, house from his own inlays from a, a dollar. Mr. That's Fetterman, typical. we have to continue on. We'll continue on with a question, a follow-up question. All right, so hang on a second. This is, I got to stop. These, right, the first off, the format of that debate last night, awful, 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 awful. Um, they changed the time, so here's 60 seconds, and now here's 15 seconds, and now we'll give you 30 seconds. So there's this constant changing of the clock, depending on I don't even know what, first of all. Second of all, I hate when they put the candidates on shot clocks like this. Because it forces them to try to, it doesn't force them, it allows them to just give a 60-second answer, just fill the time, move on. But the thing that's most infuriating is when the uh, the moderators, they act as if they, we got to go, we got to go. Oh, somebody's making me ask all these different questions. We've got to keep on track here. If they're having a debate, they're having a discussion, a disagreement over a particular issue, let them do that. I don't care what you think needs to be the next question. If they're going to spend, you know, three or four minutes going back and forth on crime or on the houses or whatever it is, if they're going to go back and forth, let them go back and forth. But as they're still trying to debate, you're like dragging them away from this topic because you think, oh, I got to get to these other things. I got to check as many of these soundbite boxes as I can. It's just a terrible form. I hate it. Seconds. Yeah, exactly. We have to keep pushing back on that. And he would never make that choice to, to fight for uh, for for uh, Amer- 
families here in Pennsylvania. You know, he has never met an air, uh, uh, an oil company that he doesn't swipe right about. You know, he has never been able to stand up for working families all across Pennsylvania. You know, we must push back. Inflation has hurt Americans and Pennsylvania's families, and it has given the oil companies record profits. All right. Thank you, Mr. Fetterman. Turning to the next issue. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I think it's a disgrace at 725 an hour. And how can a man, you know, with with, you know, 10 gigantic mansions, you know, has uh, unwilling to talk about a, a willing wage for anybody? Imagine a signal mom trying with two children, trying to raise with them, realizing making $31,000 a year, you know, $15 an hour. You know, I believe every work has dignity and every paycheck must have dignity in it as well. True, I've always supported a living wage and we make sure that everyone has economic security. I have okay. a follow-up for you, Mr. Fetterman. Ooh, what better. do you say better. to small business owners who have told us that if the minimum wage were increased to $15 an hour, it would put them out of business. You have 30 seconds. Now, we, we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to, that's, that's the most American bargain, that if you work full-time, you should be able to live in dignity as well, true. And I believe they haven't have any businesses being, being uh, you can't have businesses being subsidized by not paying ind- uh, individuals that just simply can't have to, to pay the their right own way. way. Okay. Mr. When Fetterman, they pay the you, cheap Mr. wages, the state is just subsidized. I mean, he's 100% right. Follow up to what he just said about you. No, again. All right. So, again, that was David Pacman. It's, it's remarkable. He hasn't really had any answer that he actually had about that. In his, he doesn't want to talk about having somebody having a living wage and having somebody able to survive again. Yeah. So, Pacman, I think, is. He is, I mean, again, he's a, he's a lefty, so he's, he's wanting Fetterman to do well. And what he is hearing is that Fetterman knows the arguments. He just can't get them from the brain to the mouth. There's, there's a disconnect. There's short circuits that have occurred. And I think that's probably, I think it's accurate. This idea that it's an auditory problem, auditory processing problem, that's not it. This is him Thinking and trying to speak, trying to articulate the thought that is obviously in his brain, but the words are getting all, as he said, smushed up, right? And he's, he's, he's pulling the wrong words out of the mental dictionary. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Jim Garrity at National Review. So the Democrats are in this mess in Pennsylvania in large part because Fetterman and his team were not honest about his condition when it mattered most. And when Democrats could have considered other options to run for the Senate. The reason Pennsylvania Democrats are nervous when Fetterman, his wife and his campaign say his recovery is going fine is because they don't trust him. They don't trust his wife. Why? Because they've already lied about it. If either of Fetterman's primary rivals were the nominee, they would probably be polling about the same or more likely they would be polling better than Dr. Oz, better than Fetterman. And the two primary opponents, there was a guy named uh, Connor Lamb, who was a, uh, a representative and a state rep named Malcolm Kenyatta, and they would 
both vote the same way as Fetterman, like 99% of the time. So, because Fetterman had his stroke before the Democrat primary. And then they lied about his condition. And they lied about it all the way up until, what, last week when they were dragging that NBC reporter because she made a point that in her report that he's having problems making small talk. And you had all of these, you know, Praetorian Guard rushed to his defense in the media. They were like, I've interviewed him. He didn't have any problem. Maybe you just think it's small talk, NBC reporter. Ha, 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 good one. And they dragged this woman. And now we see she was right. She was right. Here's more from last night's debate. You know, what I support, I support on Roe v. Wade. That was the law of the land for 50 years. He celebrated when it fell down, and I would fight to reestablish on Roe v. Wade. That's what I run on. That's what I believe, and I've always believed that the choice believes women and their doctors, and he believes that the choice should be with him or Republican legislators all across this nation. All right. I'm sorry, I must correct that. Once again, he's misrepresented what I've said, but he also said something very dishonest. On this debate stage, he said very specifically in his primary debate when he was still debating that he would support 38 weeks of uh, mandated rules by the federal government that would prevent any state from blocking it. So that's not Roe that, versus that's Wade. That's not true. I support Roe v. Wade. That's the simple. John, Roe you v. said specifically you would support right, a federal you, rule Oz. on 38 Oz, weeks. Thank you. Thank I, you. That's, we, I think we, it's we, important that John at least acknowledge that he's not honest here because you said the all right, opposite Mr. on Oz, TV. We must continue on. Mr. Fetterman, turning to you, we have a follow-up question. Would you support allocating federal funds to transport women who live in states where abortion is banned to state where they can get one and why 30 seconds i would i I would because i believe abortion rights is a a universal right for all women in america i believe that it i believe abortion is health care and i believe that that is a choice that belongs with each woman and their doctor all right. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fetterman. Turning to the next. Mr. Fetterman, will you pledge tonight to release those records in the interest of transparency? You have 60 seconds. No. Uh, to me, for transparency is about showing up. I'm here today to have a debate. I have, you know, spe- speeches in front of 3,000 people in Montgomery County, you know, all across Pennsylvania, big, big crowds. You know, I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve, and, and that's what I believe is appropriate. And now with two weeks before the election, you know, I have run a campaign and I've been very transparent about being very open about the fact where I use captioning. And I believe that, again, my doctors, the real doctors that I believe in, they all believe that I'm ready to be served. Follow up. I didn't hear you say you would release your full medical records. Why not? You have 30 seconds. No. Uh, yeah, again, my doctor all believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Okay, Mr. Fetterman, thank you. But but there's 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 no way to, to defend what John Fetterman has done with socialized medicine. That is a radical departure from what we in America uh, yeah, have accepted. I, I, I must, a relationship I between your, John, you'll have I, your I, turn. I, I, yeah. John, must, let me I finish. Must respond to that. Uh, you'll, uh, uh, you, there must be a relationship between a doctor and a patient, and that's what I would direct patients to do. Thank you. Mr. Fetterman, he uh, accused you of socialized yeah. medicine, supporting socialized medicine. What is your response? Yeah. Again, again, 
It's the Oz rule. He's on TV and he's lying. I never, so I, I never supported any of that thing. You know, he keeps talking about Bernie, Bernie Sanders. You know, three year, three years ago, he was on his show and he hugged him and he said, "I love this guy." You know what? Why don't you pretend that you you live in Vermont instead of Pennsylvania and run against Bernie Sanders? Because all you can do is talk about Bernie Sanders. Because my truth is, is that healthcare is a basic fundamental right. And I believe in expanding that, and I believe about supporting, fighting for health care, the kind of health care that saved my life. Thank Dennis, you that was dishonest. He, he explicitly supported socialized Mr. Oz, medicine. Mr. we have Bernie a lot Sanders. of topics to get okay. to. We I think we did this. Here it is again. Go ahead. We are going to move on. To right, the- here it is again. They're like, oh, we're moving on. Sorry, got to move on. I got, I got so much to talk about, so many topics. Don't, don't keep talking about the thing that you're talking about now. No, no, no. We don't need to hear any more about this. We're, we are so done. You just got... Into this heated debate, we don't need a debate breaking out during this debate. Thank you very much. Next topic, and this high-paying job to help Pennsylvanians. Thank you, Mr. Again, Oz. Uh, Oz rule, Mr. Federman. You know, I absolutely support fracking. In fact, I live across the street from a, the, a steel mill, and they were going to frack to create their own energy in order to make them more competitive. And I support that. Living closer to anybody else in Pennsylvania for fracking to myself. I believe that we need independence with energy, and I believe I've walked that line my entire career. I believe Democrats. Mr. Mr. Fetterman, I do have a specific question, which you can continue on this topic, but you have made two conflicting statements regarding fracking. In a 2018 interview, you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. I never have. But earlier this month, you told an interviewer, quote, I support fracking. I support the energy independence that we should have here in the United States. So, Mr. Fetterman, please explain your changing position. 60 seconds. Uh, I've, I've always supported fracking. And I always believe that independence with our energy is, is critical. We can't be held, you know, you know, ransom to somebody like Russia. You know, I've always believed that energy independence is critical. And I've always believed that. And I do support fracking. I've never taken any money from their, their, their industry. But I support how critical it is that we produce our own energy and create energy independence. I must correct the record. Uh, well, he, uh, just a second. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and oh I stand, and I do support fracking. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Fetterman. On I'm to sorry, the- Lisa. There's not just a statement you read. There are multiple there's pictures uh, of him signing we a have to go. We have to move on. But I, we have I, to I, get the fundamentals of the truth out here. John we, we Fetterman have a over lot of and over topics. again took positions against energy. We have a lot of topics. You will have a chance to have that there, in your there may one, one comment, then. The energy we, industry we is living in fear. They move on. We have to move on. Shut up, Dr. Ross. Just shut up. He obviously has a different opinion now. And I don't know. See, here's the problem. I don't know whether that is due to his impairment, due to the stroke, or if it's due to politics, or if he doesn't remember. Right? I I don't know to what do I attribute this changed position. This is part of the problem. Let me go over here to Dean. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pete. Hello. I have a couple questions. Of course you do. Yeah. And don't uh, make your I, make your uh, make your case. Assert your yes. premise. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't understand. We don't have a vote in this election, so 
we're listening to this debate to, to figure out whether he has cognitive skills or whether he's the best candidate or not, or is it because we're interested because it's going to be whether we send a Democrat or a Republican, it's going to change the balance of power? Yeah, so or, the Senate... Right, so the open Senate seat in Pennsylvania, because Toomey's not running again, uh, that's currently held by Toomey, a Republican, so Republicans have to keep that Senate seat if there's any chance that they're going to win a majority in the U.S. Senate. And because of the duplicitousness of uh, the Fetterman campaign and the Democrats in the media that have covered for him, this was our first opportunity to see him behave and to see him engage and so i told you at the very beginning of the hour i said i pulled a lot of audio so you could get the full context so i cannot be accused of only giving snippets and taking him out of context and only showing him at his worst no i i i yeah i thought that was great and then and it was much more enlightening but but only the voters that are voting you know in in for the, those two candidates really have um, anything in the game because they have to evaluate the debate and decide on their own sure. whether or not they get to vote or doesn't. Yeah, and sure, they get to vote. They get to vote, and this is absolutely they're the ones that are going to get to vote. But we also all have an, an interest in what happens when they do vote the way they do, right? We're all going to know, and we're all going to have to now have to deal with whether it's Doctor Oz, who I'm not a fan of either, but we're going to have one of those two guys. They're going to they're going to be up in the U.S. Senate and they could very well, like especially with Fetterman. He may not even last very. He may not even make it there. He may win. Yeah. And the governor turns around and just appoints a replacement for him. Right. Yeah. yeah but it, it's still it's that's what's great about the system, that it's up to the voters to listen to that debate that have a vote in that and decide. So if it was just a matter of keeping the balance of Democrat or Republican, then let's not just have candidates. Let's just vote for Republicans or Democrats. Well, that's all people. Right. That, that's all people are doing, Dean. That's what they have been doing. Um, I, I'm not sure I understood the the premise of the call. All right. So I think what Dean was really trying to say, which I always find myself having to kind of like becoming the Dean whisperer. Uh, I think what Dean was trying to get at was. Why are you playing this audio, Pete? He's in Pennsylvania. This doesn't matter to us. We we should not have to listen to this because it makes us uncomfortable. It does, right? This it, it is uncomfortable to listen to him. And I'm not playing this in any kind of a way to mock or ridicule him or anything. He's got a medical condition. He suffered a stroke. But see, here's the problem. He suffered the stroke before the Democratic primary. And he didn't bow out. And then he won the Democratic primary. And he didn't bow out. And he's been campaigning. And there are people close to him that know of his difficulties. And still he's not bowing out. There are media people that are aware of his difficulties. And they've not reported it. And what you have now is a Woodrow Wilson, an FDR, even a JFK with the the womanizing type of operation in effect. You've got somebody who is impaired in some way. And I've heard people on the left say the same thing about Strom Thurmond. And I'd say that's a fair comparison as well. 
And guess what? When I was in South Carolina, I did not vote for Strom Thurmond because he was 172 years old or whatever. I'm sorry. I voted against him. Didn't think he should be returned to office. He was way too old. They were wheeling him into meetings. I would see him on C-SPAN, and he would barely be able to articulate a sentence. So, no, I did not vote for Strom Thurmond for re-election. I mean, he won re-election. But there are real questions when you have somebody who's incapacitated, and there are other people around him that are keeping up the charade. Let's assume that he thinks he's going to recover and, you know, he obviously thinks he's the only person that can do this job. Otherwise, why would you continue along this path, right? Why would you do this unless, like, if there was somebody else that was capable, you'd be like, hey, let this other person take over for me. But he didn't do that. Somebody who wants the power this badly should not be trusted with the power. And the people around him, they obviously are on the same page. That's why, that's why this matters, because there was a, there's been a charade being run on not just the people of Pennsylvania, but Americans, because reporters knew of his condition, and they actually attacked another reporter just a couple days ago when she reported this, and now we all are seeing it. There's no hiding it any longer. Yes, I could also mention Joe Biden in that as well. And by the way, for the people who are like, oh, I can't believe that people are you know, attacking him for this medical condition and all of that. Um, I'm old enough to remember when a certain president uh, walked down a ramp too slowly and people started making all sorts, of, uh, all sorts of medical assessments about his ability to do the job. People were calling for him to be thrown out of office because he stood on his tippy toes too much. He leaned forward on his toes a little too much, and that was a sign of dementia. So you don't get to play by a different set of rules. And it stinks, I know, but this is a consistent application of the standard. Now, that being said, to me, the larger story is you've got people that are obviously pushing this candidate And he obviously is incapacitated to a very large degree. And by the way, the comment he made about the fracking, that's where he lost the left. The Daily Beast had a write-up. I forget who it was. He was hanging out at a watch party, Democrats hanging out, doing a watch party. And that was the comment that got all of the, uh, the Democrats in the room quiet and angry when he turned around and said, oh, I'm for fracking now. Is he? Don't know. You can't trust what he's saying. I know, I know. He's he's a politician, so it's kind of par for the you course. Are, quote, dangerously soft on crime. You have 60 seconds. No, no. I, I, I believe that I run on my record on crime. You know, I ran to be mayor back in 20, 2005 in order to fight gun violence, and that's exactly what I did. And working with the police and working with our community, I was, say, I was able to stop gun violence for five and a half years as mayor, ever accomplished before or since my time as, as mayor, because I'm the only person on this stage right now that has con, con, was successful about pushing back against gun violence and being the community more safe. You know, all he's done is just put a plan up on his website in the last 24 hours. He has no experience. He has never made any attempt to try to address crime during his entire career, except showing up for photo ops here in Philadelphia. 
I will give you 15 seconds to respond to that, and then I have a question for you. The Fraternal Order of Police from Braddock, the small town he represented, endorsed me. They supported me because what he's saying is not true. Violence skyrocketed in Braddock. I mean, the town wasn't in a good shape when John got there. It got worse when he was there. People kept leaving. So, of course, you're going to have uh, you know all kinds of aberrations. But, John, the okay. city was dangerous under your leadership, and that's why I the FOP endorsed you now. me. Mr. Order not only supports sanctuary cities, but he wants to legalize all hard drugs in America, including narcotics. That is, I mean, out of touch with everybody. That radical position was tried in Oregon, which he endorsed, 50% homicide increase rate. Oh, one moment. I will give a 15-second rebuttal. Yeah, that, that is, again, Oz rule. That is just not true. Uh, you know, you know, here his his family's company was, it was levied the largest fine for immigration hiring of 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 immigrate uh, illegals you know and i think you should sit this one out about in terms of what a a, sore, a, a secure border all yeah. right 60 seconds mr fetterman yeah. you know i believe that uh, i believe that uh, a secure border is can be compatible with compassion i believe we need a comprehensive and bipartisan solution for immigration that that's what i believe i don't ever recall in the statue of liberty did they say you know you know take our tired huddle masses and put them on a bus and use cheap political stunts about them. I believe we have to develop a comprehensive and bipartisan solution to, to address our issue here for immigration here in our nation. All right, thank you, gentlemen. On to but the next John's issue. John's not addressing the, uh, the one, elephant in the room, fentanyl. On. We have to move on to the next issue. We have to move on. Again, this is so annoying. We have to move on. Sorry, we have to move on. This is what ticks me off. We've been lied to. Even in this story today from um, Politico by Holly Otterbein, Otterbein, whatever, um, she says, last week Fetterman released a letter from his primary doctor, Clifford Chen, who said that he spoke intelligently without cognitive def- uh, deficits. He spoke intelligently without cognitive deficits, okay, and that he has no work restrictions and can work full duty in public office. Clifford Chen, primary doctor, said Fetterman's speech was, quote, normal, but he continues to exhibit symptoms of an auditory processing disorder, which can come across as hearing difficulty. Is that what you heard? You've heard enough of it now. Is that what you heard? An auditory processing disorder? It doesn't sound like he's got a problem hearing, does it? It didn't to me. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got an email here from Tony to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Pete, we need to hear you rush some callers like the moderators did in the Fetterman debate. Be hilarious. Yeah, just start doing that to people as they... Let's see, when did he write this? Oh, it was right after Dean called. All right, thank you, Dean. We're, we got to move on. Your time is up, Dean. 15 seconds. Yep. Let's start doing that. <laughs> Just rush them off. (laughs) Uh, It is so annoying. Which, by the way, the Fetterman campaign, they were trying to manage expectations before the debate, saying, well, you know, this isn't really John's format. Yeah. That's the thing. It's the format. Okay. Look, nobody's... These debates are not anybody's natural format. Right? You 
construct your performance based on the restrictions of the format. And the candidates, by the way, are the ones that dictate that. Um, ben Dominich, writing at spectatorworld.com, he called this political malpractice. Letting Fetterman debate was political malpractice. He called the performance cringe-inducing to a point that it made you want to change the channel. It was a travesty. It made people feel deeply uncomfortable. Why would any campaign with any respect for their candidate participate in this farcical display that undermines trust in democracy? Why would any spouse go along with this in a way that could do real damage to the future psyche of her husband? Was this some desperate attempt to rope-a-dope Dr. Oz into seeming too aggressive against a sympathetic figure? Right? Maybe that was the political calculation. Because I know there was one point where Oz said something like, oh, maybe you don't understand understand it or something. And the uh, the David Pakman uh, liberal guy that, that I was uh, watching, as he was watching the debate, you, he, like he perked right up and he was like, oh, you know, trying to low blow. So maybe that was the uh, maybe that was the play to to go in there and then have Oz say something, attack, be too aggressive, whatever, and then get sympathy votes. I don't know, but it failed. If that was the effort, time and again during the debate, it seemed like Oz was. Pulling his punches. Maybe out of sympathy, maybe uh, he, you know, was advised by his uh, prep team, you know, don't do it. Don't go after him. Um, Dominic says, what is stunning about all of this is that it could have been avoided. Fetterman's stroke came before his Senate primary election was decided. And given the weak performance of the rather nutty GOP gubernatorial nominee, Doug Mastriano... There is an absolute possibility that someone like Democratic Representative Connor Lamb could be winning at this moment. But Fetterman held on with assurances from those around him to Democratic voters that he would be capable of performing come this fall. See, this is the other this is the other thing that was laid bare last night was that the campaign and Democratic Party officials and reporters and everybody who knew that this is how the stroke had affected Fetterman. Everybody that knew that they were all engaged in a lie to their own team, to their own voters. They told, think about that, right? They told the democratic voters he's fine, but he wasn't fine, but they lied about it. And then they kept him out of the public eye, right? They had him, which they should have, by the way, like he should have been rehabbing. You have a very limited window, right, to, to get a lot of work done for neuroplasticity with the brain. I've, got, I've gone over this before. Like, you, you, you suffer this kind of an injury, and the younger you are, the easier it is to bounce back because you have neuroplasticity. Your brain still can, can ch- uh, change easier. And the older you get, it hardens, basically, and it becomes harder to adapt. I know firsthand from this, I had vertigo and the signals that the ear, the vestibular nerve sends to my brain, which then sends to my eyeball, got short circuited because of that virus. And after about two to three weeks, whatever uh, re-messaging 
recoding that occurs in the brain, if it's not done by then, you're at a you're at a real disadvantage. And uh, so he went off the campaign trail, as he should have. But the whole time, he, his team and his family, they were assuring everybody, Democratic voters, don't worry. But they should have been, right? They should have been worried. They were lied to. They should feel lied to because they were. Um, let me see. This comes. Uh, this has been backed up more recently by the complicit leftist media that dogpiled the NBC News reporter Dasha Burns for daring to suggest that Fetterman had difficulty with questions and struggled to understand small talk in her recent interview. New York Magazine, Karish, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Rebecca Traster of New York Magazine, Kara Swisher of A Million Podcasts, Molly Jong Fast of Somebody Who's Wasting Their Money. <laughs> they all, that's his description of their various outlets. Uh, they all claim that Fetterman was fine, just fine, and maybe it was Burns, Dasha Burns from NBC. Maybe she had problems with the small talk. Maybe she was just not good at it. They all now look like useful idiots, and there's no defense for that level of partisan spin. The man can barely function, and everyone with eyes can see it. Over at Axios, Josh Kreshauer. Kreshauer. Yeah, I think is how he pronounces that. He says, why, uh, he quotes one Democratic lawmaker um, and a Fetterman supporter is saying, why the hell did Fetterman agree to do this? This will obviously raise more questions than answers about John's health. Another Pennsylvania Democratic official worried, quote, everyone is nervous. I've traveled everywhere. Fetterman is a deep concern, and this debate will only increase it. The bottom line, a CBS News YouGov poll conducted before the debate found 46% of respondents believed it's important for the candidates to address Fetterman's health, and it's hard to see how that performance alleviated any of the skeptics' concerns. We shall see. All right, stick around. Brett Winterbull is coming up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.